You're listening to an app session from the 2019 Art Conference in Anaheim, California. For more resources to equip you and your local church, visit arcchurches.com. That's great. We got to be a little closer up here. We were just like, Jimmy, what are you doing down there? <laughs> Gerald's uh, in Seattle. So it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> these tables feel so high. Just like, hey. I know. <laughs> I'm a very large man. Uh, anyway, so. When we were at team conference. I remember I had to get on that stool. Remember when we did that so panel and I got on that stool? And that stool was like, like for like a, a middle school teenage girl. And like the whole time I was sitting on it, I kept sinking. Remember that question, Kevin? It was awesome. It kept going, going down. Kevin was like, hello, Pastor Dina. Come up higher. Come up higher. So a big man can't be on the stool. We no, talk to the Jimmy. Can't be on the stool. No, no, there's, there's a mic right there. We can, we can talk to him. I need two stools. One for each side. Two stools. That's awesome. Because we crazy. I, I, I love the Rollins. We've known each other for about six or seven years. And uh, there's some people you meet, and it's just a covenant relationship in about an hour. And we were meant to do life together, and I have admired uh, Dylan and I have admired the Geralds for uh, a long time. It's, it's like a, I remember being up uh, at their church, and it was like a bucket list. Uh, I was trying to be calm, trying to not be, you know, giddy and all like, you know, starstruck because of the, I preached his books, uh, I preached his messages, uh, I've tried to say phrases like he says them. And, uh, and we just thank the world of you guys. You guys are amazing. You're great leaders. And we just thank God, especially now with uh, doing, doing some life together, uh, which is awesome, awesome. I know Delinda and I feel that way. Um, so we've known each other and known about each other and, and, and enjoy our friendships uh, together. Yeah. But uh, let me just ask, and I'll I just ask, and Delinda, uh, you finish it up. So we'll start with the Rollins. Okay. And we'll try to do a little minute or two answers, and then we're going to save some room for, for some, some Q&A. Jonathan's going to help us with that at the end. But uh, let's, let's start with Robbins and then the Geralds, and then we'll go to Delenn. Tell me how you met early church life, getting together, doing life, how you came together, kind of the crazy way you came together as a couple and ended up doing church. So y'all take a, a jump into it, and y'all, and then Delenn, you get to tell them about us. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Honored, Pastor Dino, uh, just to be here. Uh, just excited to be able to share our craziness uh, with you all. We actually met, uh, I was the headhunter, I'm a technical recruiter. I worked for a company called Modus. Uh, and this girl walked in, uh, and I was like, oh my. And uh, I wanted to recruit her onto my team. Yeah. And, um, and so I literally, I asked my boss, could I interview her? And I interviewed her, uh, and I walked out of the office, and out of the interview, and I was like, I'm gonna marry that girl. Wow. And uh, I asked her out, I think two yeah. or three weeks later. And, um, you know, she fell in love with me in one night. I get it, I understand. <laughs> it's actually a true story. And uh, she came to church, and uh, she came to my parents' church. I was serving my parents at the time, and she, my dad preached a message. She answered the altar call. Um, uh, and uh, <laughs> called me that night and said, uh, I fell in love with you in one day. When are we getting married? Oh, and, uh, my goodness. Two months later. Two months later, I gave her a ring. Oh, and I never did it. was downhill for 15 uh-huh. years. <laughs> it's been about the best five years. We're 20 in, but it's been about the best five yeah. years. But we navigated craziness for 15 years. Yeah. And uh, but I thank God oh, wow. uh, that I she went to counseling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. This guy. That's 
Oh, you want me to go next? Oh, what do you have? Okay, how did we meet? We met when I was 14, and uh, he was... Got married two months later. Louisiana. <laughs> 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 Not quite. So, um, he came to Bible college to my church that had, you know, college and a big ministry and all this, and all the girls were going crazy over him, and I was like, do y'all really think he's cute? I just don't know. You know? <laughs> We didn't have, you know, cell phones, couldn't text each other, so we'd talk on the phone, and my little sister would, you know, get on the other line in the house and try to listen in, but I remember one phone call before we ever, he ever even asked me out, he called me one day, and standing in my kitchen, so I'm 17 years old, and he says, hey, I just want to know, do you think that you could, like, you know, live in New York, like in the slums of New York, you know, if you had to, what do you think about that? And I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, God calls me to do that. And he's like, okay, I just need to know that. Click. So, so funny. We lived in the slums of New York. Thank you, Jesus. But, um, you know, he just thought I was this little high-maintenance girl. His friends told me, she's so spoiled. But that's how we met and then fell in love, 17, got engaged 18, got married 19. Wow. What about y'all? That's so young. That's too young. 19. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't 19. Well, that's how old we were, too. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, so uh, Sheila and I are both PKs, pastor kids, and our denomination had a annual conference, and the whole deal with PKs was that wow. we, we would all get together as a big group, and then you would, the, the, the culture basically was that you did friendship dates. And so friendship dates just were sort of low key, you know, but uh, I I saw Sheila um, and when I saw her, I'm like, you know, she she had braces on. And I said, (laughs) next year, I'm gonna come after her. Saturday night, 
I found out Saturday night when I ran into him, like at 10 o'clock at night, and he wasn't with her. Yeah. I said, I thought you had a date, like with Sheila, and he's like, she didn't show up. <laughs> oh. like, he's like, no, she, she, she stood me up. Like, she did not show up for the night. And so Sunday, I ran into her, and I said, Sheila, what are you doing standing my friend up? And she said, Kevin, and she, she like getting nervous. She's like, I, I don't know, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, you know, if a, guy, if a girl doesn't dance when a guy asks her out, he ought to take the hint, he ought to know. In other words, she didn't have the courage to say no, Yeah. but she didn't follow through with her end of the commitment. So I said, I, so, so then I said, would you, would you like to maybe you and I tonight, uh, you got any plans? And she said, no, I said, can we make some? And, and she said, yeah. Oh. And I turned around and walked the other way. I got about 10 steps and turned around and looked at her. And she stood there. I said, you didn't dance. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Oh. So she did a little dance like that. Yeah. She and I went hand in hand. The rest is history. Let's go. We got married when we were 19 years old. Been married uh, 12 years now. <laughs> and it's been a great time. Now, we've been married 42 years. Wow. Sorry, I couldn't have been on that. No, I love it. I love it. You are so cute. And I love how, like, your sister is married to your brother. So cool. Just how it all connects. Brother and actually sounds not cool. <laughs>
And um, it was just really hard, and I thought that that was our normal, and I remember getting to a point where we both had what we call our divine discontent, where we're like, there has to be more to this than just, uh, wasn't church good today, y'all? I'm like, it's, there's gotta be more. Where's we're, we're not doing anything to get you know reach souls for Jesus, and um, so we started a track club. Started a track club, and this brought me back to life because I'm like, okay, we're out in the community, out in the stands with families. We're doing life with families. They don't even know we're pastors. They don't think we're weird. And then eventually, we invite them to church. They get to know the power of Jesus Christ. This is awesome again. So our kids are all along the journey with us. However, um, we're nearing the time of where Jimmy's parents were supposed to be handing over the church to us. We're raising our family in the church. Everybody's, the whole intention from the moment I met this man was that the church was gonna get handed over to him. Turned into a three year unhealthy struggle with his parents. Um, they weren't ready to let the church go, et cetera, et cetera. We dealt with church hurt, pain, people dying, sadness in the back. Got to a really dark place. Our marriage got caught up in the crossfire of me and my parents' dysfunction. And uh, she became a, uh, a version of my mom that I didn't want. Wow. And that was the beginning of our dysfunction. And, wow. uh, the manifestation uh, and it was wow. awful for a long time. Wow. Thanks be to God, though, who gives us the victory. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Jim. That's awesome. Wow. What about y'all? Tell us about the earlier, the church, the kids. Um, we left uh, St. Louis where we were co-pastors with his father and went to go help a church in uh, Seattle and the area and it ended up, uh, God just kind of began to show my husband how to help this church nobody wanted to take and be the pastor because it was in bankruptcy and my husband looked at me one day and said uh, I think we're supposed to stay here, God show me how to take this church to another level, get out of bankruptcy. And I looked at him and I said, well, I'm going back home to St. Louis. Yeah. And uh, I already talked to your mom and dad and I am heading back there Monday. And it was like a Friday. Wow. He said, do you pray about it? And I said, oh, I don't need to pray about this. <laughs> I love it. Um, I ended up probably doing something, something you shouldn't do, but I fleeced God and I said, God, if we're supposed to... Yeah, wow. To be here, you got to have this guy who's sowing so much discord and talking so bad about us. He's got to come up and apologize to my husband before noon on a Sunday. <laughs> this guy hits wow. the platform at the second service at noon. The choir's singing, and this guy hadn't apologized yet, and it was 11.59. This guy that comes walking down the aisle and starts talking to my husband. And I ask for certain words to be said. I don't say to please God, don't do this, but um, the, the choir director kept looking at me because this guy's talking to my husband. I'm just like, keep singing, keep singing, keep singing, keep And after church was over, we got in the car and I said, honey, did that guy say, you know, and I just spit it out. And he's like, did he talk to you first? I said, no, but I'm staying. We're going to do whatever God wants us to do wow. here. Wow. And uh, we took that transition and then took another bankruptcy church. And then now we've done our third transition. Um, and I've stood by him and, um, <laughs> and just done life together. We, of course, went through counseling. Um, 
Decide every one. You have to go to the accounting when you do three church transitions. But that's that's kind of how we started in the Northwest. So um, to to put it in uh, context, Sheila's from Chicago. I'm from St. Louis. So when we went to the Northwest, we went 2,600 miles away from home. Yeah. And there's we didn't know anyone out there, but there was this one church that I spoke in that had had a lot of strife and divisions. Ended up in the bankruptcy, building half built, and felt like God called us there. I've, and that's the story that she was sharing. So we took our little girl. Jody was how old? We were, uh, three. Jody was three years old, and we moved her. Uh, and I remember, I remember. <clears throat> Her looking up at me in the in the car um, and saying to me, you know, she's three years old and she's got her seatbelt and strapped in. I remember her saying, uh, you know, Daddy, when, when are we going home? Like, because mm. home was St. Louis. Home was where grandmas and grandpas and mm-hmm. everybody we knew. But we were we were missionaries basically. Um, we were on a mission field out there. And that's how we began. Our little family started in a little little apartment that was 800 square feet and one piece of furniture other than the bed, and that was a broken rocking chair that somebody had given us um, in that little group. So that's where we started our lives 33 years ago. Wow, that's amazing. I love that. The journey encourages you with your story. Yeah. Uh, the, the kind of the topic of this of this this app is crazy love for crazy families. And so, um, what do you know about raising kids that no one told you? Raising children. What's your best advice? What's your best thought? Uh, Once y'all start it, and Rollins and then Delenn, because you, you do a better job of it than I do oh, in our home. And so, what y'all think? Well, I, look, this may not be just raising kids, but um, I think it answers what nobody, nobody, I always heard that, uh, you know, I heard counsel advice in pastor meetings and ministries. I always heard about, you know, that the, the, you need personal time, you need your private time. Yeah. Um, watch out, make sure you make family time, make sure you have date night. So that's when we went into marriage and when we moved up to the Northwest and uh, had our little, little girl. That was sort of what we thought was right and everybody said that and we actually, um, we actually don't really advise that anymore with that kind of rhetoric and that, that kind of dialogue. And, and here's why, because we found that uh, in, our, in our case, that we just do life together and we do church together and we integrate our church life and our family life. And it's worked for us, I think, I think mainly, we, we, Sheila and I both love the church. And since we both love the church, our daughter has grown up loving the yeah. church. She's now a staff member, a pastor at one of our locations. Um, and so I think probably that was the biggest surprise when it comes to raising children and family was that whatever that segregation mindset was, it never worked for us. And what worked for us was what I just explained, that we, we just integrated. And, we made we have family fun, um, and of course you have time for family. And but it's more natural, it's more organic, because um, a lot of times our fun would be with with one another, with church people. Um, so 
out of all maybe the bad stories you've heard, our story is a good story good. of a family that absolutely embraced the work that God's given yeah. us to do and doing it wholeheartedly and, and never making the church our enemy. The, the church is not the enemy of your marriage and the church is not the enemy of your family. Yeah. And the yeah. day you start thinking that it is the enemy, then you're going to have some strife and you're going to start keeping score. And if you're a wife that thinks that, you're going to start keeping score of how many days your husband is at the church and how many nights he's there and how many he's not there. And you'll keep all this score and, yeah. you know, us against the church, us against the church. Instead of drawing a circle bigger and just creating a big we over it. This is our family called the ministry. We do church and we do life and we love each other and we have fun doing every, everything that we do. And that's the way that we've approached our life that we never... That's the first thing that came to my mind when you asked that, That's good. Uh, Pastor Gino, was that that was, that was a new journey for us to be on. Would yeah. you like one part of the ugly? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I remember our daughter being a teenager and didn't want to go to our youth group. Wow. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. We're the pastors of the church, and she doesn't want to attend our youth group. I love it. Um, it's reality. There was a happening church that had opened up down the road. <laughs> Um, and uh, little old town of Sumner was like popping with this little community church and her, she went to a Christian school and they were all talking about what was happening on the Wednesday night and so she didn't want to go to our church she felt like she didn't belong at our church she felt like she had no friends at our church and how we had to push through that was a situation that, a great learning curve that, first of all, we were wanting to remove the youth pastor. <laughs> and if we knew that that had to go, but it was a process with that. And yet we wanted to teach her honor and that she showed up and that she found a place to get involved. If she didn't have friends, she's going to have to make friends. Yeah. And that was about... Uh, Four or five weeks, I mean, she'd get in the car crying, like, please let me go to that other church next Wednesday night. Wow. 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 Cool. Power through that. <laughs> yeah. Taking notes there. Um, I wish I would have known what you shared earlier because we didn't know that. We didn't have healthy boundaries. We didn't know how to include our kids in uh, what we were doing and tell them the wins about what we were doing. If instead, we complained a lot and brought home a lot of the garbage. And we literally were telling them, praying like, I hope they don't choose full-time ministry. Wow. Like that's how ugly and dark our situation had gotten wow. because of this debacle, like wow. in family fighting and stuff like that. But God turned all of that around. We yep. had rock bottom, we had crisis and what have you. And the beauty of the crisis that we went through was that we were able to teach our kids um, boundaries. So when we started I-5, we started saying I, uh, the Rollins 5 before I-5. So right. never again are we going to make the mistake of putting the church before our family. So um, and that was a standard, and it's like that's a standard in our ministry. It's a common, everybody knows that if, hey, you see PJ running off the stage to, get, he's going to a soccer game today, don't get offended that he doesn't want to talk to you, but he's trying to get to his son's game, awesome. period. Okay? Um, so. Yeah, I think in the beginning, uh, you know, we've been. I've been in ministry now, serving my parents since, well, for 25 years, this is my 25th year of ministry. Mm -hmm. 
And it was just so wrong in the beginning. And I, I literally, I saw the call of God on my children, especially uh, my son, uh, but I never created an appetite where this would be something that he wanted to do because I was so frustrated and so confused and he saw me and mom fighting all the time and he saw that ministry uh, was different on the stage than it was at home. Um, and so if they were a part of the dysfunction, they were gonna have to be a part of the counseling. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we exposed them to our process. Yeah. Uh, they were a part of our process. They were in counseling with us. Uh, they, we allowed them to go to counseling without us, to tell on us. Um, and, uh, and what we're seeing now is really God redeemed the time. Uh, and it's absolutely amazing to hear uh, you know, them say things um, and, and be transparent and vulnerable. Uh, in areas that I wasn't in the beginning, but I became transparent and vulnerable. I'll tell you this, one of the things that we had to overcome with our kids, I believe it takes the company of a lot of people. Mm, that's uh, true. And if, mm -hmm. if Pastor Dino is calling my son, it's a great thing. Yeah. If Mayo Sowell is calling my son, it's a great thing. If my son, so what I've loved about, especially this art family, mm -hmm. is uh, we are raising my son together. Yeah. Uh, we had an issue uh, two weeks ago and I called Pastor Dino and I said, hey, what do I do? Because uh, I'm angry, I'm upset, yeah. uh, and I can choke him. <laughs> and, uh, and he said to me, uh, he said, first calm down. And he said, just love him. And uh, it just something spoke to me. Uh, and I took him out of school the next day. And we went and played golf. And, and, uh, and he opened up to me and he said, Dad, I, I just need to tell you some other things that I've been dealing with that I haven't talked about. That's great. And me acting in the opposite right. spirit yeah. of my nature wow. was really an invitation yeah. For him to be open and honest. It's good. I think uh, that I have Pastor Dino in my life and, and the land and so many other people that I can just call. So I would say uh, for us, with our children, we have to know that what we're not so that we, like, one of the things that I'm leaning into is that I'm, I'm going to be 50 in four and a half years, right? So one of the things I'm leaning into is this, is I spent a lot of time trying to do good at stuff. Right now I'm trying to figure out what I'm not good at so that I can put people in place for my children uh, that are good at what I'm not good at. Yeah, so, so good. good. So good. That's really good. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, I just turned 50. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're a baby. Um, gosh, you know, so many things. Wow, we're all at different stages. You know, we just moved our baby to college a couple months ago. Um, and I have one married, wow. and then I have one 23 in the middle. So two girls and a boy in the middle. And I can remember people telling me when I had babies, oh, you know, just wait. This is such the easy part, you know, and just wait. And I just thought, you are crazy. I am so sleep deprived. I'm so tired. You know, how can it be harder than this? But does anybody have some older children who can say, yeah. So now I'm like, how do I know what you're talking about? So I think I just... You know, I thought if, if we did everything just right and, you know, I had these godly parents and we're going to be just like them and they're going to fit in my little box, you know, because I'm going to teach them and they're going to do everything I tell them to do. So that's what I liked when they were little. You tell them everything to do and they do it, you know, so then they grow up and have a mind of their own. But um, I've just learned, and my daddy always says, they're breathing, baby, they'll lie to you. So it doesn't matter how... <laughs> How great they are. They will make mistakes. And so uh, Jimmy's helped with our children. You know, and I'm learning that the older that we get and the, the older our kids get, they need more than just us. You know, and they need grandma and grandma and everybody and the whole church family, everybody that can talk and speak into their life. 
But I mean, it's tough. And so I think we've got to just know that they're not going to fit in that box and we can raise them all the same, you know, but they still kind of sometimes have to make their own choices and mistakes and you just want to fix it and you want to spank them and you just, oh, but they're going to make it in Jesus' name. So if I could just encourage you with that, that I'm a perfectionist and, oh, I just want everybody to do the right thing. It's one of the biggest things that we get just when you lay your head down at night, know you've done the right thing every day. But you know what? It's okay if they don't. They're still going to make it. God has his hand on their life. And so just be encouraged by that. Come on, baby. Hand clapping and access. That's what I'm talking about. Because they've powerful. been there. They get it. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, Kevin and I had a conversation yesterday. You were talking about how God's gifted you. That when things get, there's tension, you, you have a way of being able to respond well. Wow. You know, like, you, you know, another way to say that is like, you're, you're not going to faint at the sight of blood, you know, mm-hmm. or you have a stomach for the struggle. That's huge. And I think yeah. that that's important in parenting or in family. Yeah. You know, I think there were years that I overreacted. Mm-hmm. I was an overreacting parent. Like, oh, oh gosh. Right. <sighs> They're all going to jail by tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> They're all going to be arrested tomorrow. We're losing everything. It's over. It's over. You know, and it's like, I think I've learned now to normalize. Yeah. A little bit of pain. Yeah, good. And to normalize a little bit of struggle. Right. And if you don't make that struggle normal to talk about, they will not talk to you about it. Yeah. So because I was overreacting with their their challenges, then it made them not want to talk to me about their challenges. And so I, I had to decide I'd rather them talk to me and normalize what they're going through. And I think it's helped parents, uh, teenagers, and, and things like that, which I, I think is super important. What would you say? We'll, we'll do, we'll do, I'll do one more question, then we'll, Jonathan, maybe you'll have one or some others if you want. What would you say? And just answer this real quick. What do you feel like is like these are non negotiables about our family? Mm-hmm. These are things that are, are very important, and these are things that we're, we're just going to be about. This is what the, the Rollins are about. This is what the Jerrods are about. What about this? These are non-negotiable. These are, it, it's very important that we're about this as a family. What would you say would be one or? Number one, uh, just divorce is not an option. So we're not going to let you go. You're not going to let us go. You can't quit on us. We can't quit on you. That's good. Uh, I, I think we've learned that uh, through counseling that, that that was my language. I'm, I don't want to be in a marriage no more. You know, divorce is not an option with our kids, with us. Number two, and I would say three, is transparency and vulnerability. Yeah. I, I want to create an environment that they're going to talk. Yeah. Uh, and I think you've helped me with normalizing yeah. uh, that. And, and you know, the, the greatest victory uh, that I've had is my son telling me something uh, that he's done without uh, me approaching him and asking yeah. him that's what's going on. That's that just happened two weeks ago. So we're just going to do this. Um, so uh, and so, <laughs> and, and I think one of the things because of that, and this is, I don't even know if I told you this, uh, you know, last week he said, uh, hey, Dad, we've been thinking about homeschooling him. Mm-hmm. And just because he wants to travel with me, he wants to be with me. He said, I, I just need you to understand, tears come in space. I can't handle the temptation. Okay. Sure. Bless it's a little hard. Yeah. Sure. I can't do it. He said, uh, I, I, I just can't. So I need your help. I need help. Yeah. And on the end, it's so hard to live set apart. Like he said that. And I was like, 
okay, we gotta help. Yeah. Yeah. So that transparency, that vulnerability, mm -hmm. I think Pastor Dino comes from that normalizing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that he would actually come and say that. So now it's my responsibility mm -hmm. to provide an environment of growth uh, that's conducive for him to grow in. So yeah. transparency and so vulnerability good. That's good. is huge for us. So good. Can I add something there? I wanted to add resilience. That's it. Yeah, so, that's good. like, I, one huge thing I wanted to teach my kids is okay. I can't prevent trauma. I can't prevent yeah. pain. It's a yeah. fact of life. So but true. so is resilience. Yeah. So we're going to get up from this. Yeah. We're going to feel the pain of it. We're going to feel the joy. We're going to feel the whatever emotion God we're, we're dealing with. And then we're going to pass through it so and get to the other side together. You know, I think the, the key, and I want to explain this for a couple minutes here, but I think the key to all our relationships we have to remember begins with me. Every week begins with me. And so the, the, there's a story that we all tell ourselves, uh, a story we tell ourselves about ourselves. There's a story we tell ourselves about ourselves based on our experience. Story we tell ourselves about ourselves based on what we've gone through, our family. Mm -hmm. um, the Lynn was just talking about that that perfect, mm -hmm. that perfection thing. That's a story we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. We tell ourselves that this is what my family is going to be. This is how my kids are going. There's always yeah, a story good, that we're telling ourselves, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I think that we underestimate how vital that is in what we bring to the table of relationships. Hmm. The story that you tell yourself is impacting your relationship a lot more than you realize oh, that's good. that it's impacting your relationships. Because you come to the table not with, you know, not with just a, a real vulnerability, transparency, all of those things. You come to the table with a story. That's good. And so if you have a story, for example, that, you know, that would say, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a good parent. Um, my daughter, Jody, has two boys, and one of them is nine, one of them is three. And this is something that we've talked openly with our daughter about, because for whatever reason, early on, my daughter's age, she's a, she was a college uh, scholarship basketball athlete. Uh, four years paid for, hallelujah, thank yeah. God. Yeah. Um, her entire education um, paid for because of her drive. Mm. Well, somewhere with that first little baby that was crying and her trying to be a mom and her comparing herself to her own mom, which is, yeah. she is a two on Enneagram, she is a helper. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter arrived at a story that I am not a good mom. And I am not cut out to be a good mom. And I will never be a good mom. So that's an example of what I would just encourage you to consider today when you talk about creating your non-negotiables and just make sure that they come out of a place of truth and a place of authenticity in yourself rather than something you picked up along the way. Dust, dust that is gathered on your soul from past experiences um, because unfortunately whatever that story is we tell ourselves is the one we pass on yeah, to our great. children wow. and that's the one that lands on their soul mm -hmm. and so I would say wow. that one of the most n powerful non-negotiables in our relationship and is what I call the table of truth 
And the table of truth is that place. There's two people at the table at all times. And there's the talker and there's the, the hearer or the listener. And the table of truth is visually, Sheila and I pull up to the table and we have conversation. And I know you've heard about communication because we've all heard about it. It is, it is the, in my opinion, the number one most important thing in relationship. But here's what the table of truth sounds like. The table of truth is that the story that I'm telling myself could be making me very selfish. And she was the one who has to say that. She's the one who has to say, you know, all you're doing is thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about Jody. You're not thinking about the kids. You're telling yourself this, but what I hear is a very self-centered Kevin. Wow. And that's what I hear. So we're calling one another's story. We're calling it uh, into reality. And we're speaking, speaking truth against the concept. Does that make sense to you? And that, that is one of the most powerful things that you can do, in our opinion, as a couple, is that you can reach a place where you can talk truth without raising tension. That's good. So good. And if you can talk truth without creating more tension, like if you can talk truth and go make love, you have just conquered life. Like you have just landed in the sweet spot of what makes the wheels of communication turn. Because you have the ability to go with a real complete transparency, vulnerability, and the story is what you want to interrupt. Think about it like this. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm preaching a sermon. I don't mean to, but this, you watch news media. We all watch it every day. They have a story. They don't have the truth. They have a story. We have to help one another interrupt the story that is not true so that we can get to truth. And if we can get to truth, we can be communicating in a very effective way, vulnerability, transparency, and that's what will really make relationships healthy and grow. That was like $65 an hour right there. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. That was good. I, I, I just want to add that uh, when I mentioned counseling a while, while ago, we had not had anything to cause us to go to counseling. I just knew that I had I really bad ADD, and I was driving this man crazy. Um, <laughs> I just looked at him and I said, I, I want to go get help because I want to finish strong. Aww. And when we sat down in that counseling session and we're telling him why we were here, he looked at us and he said, listen, I have counseled over 2,800 pastors. Mm -hmm. They have stayed in this place uh, for five and six days at a time. And I've never had anybody come and say, we just want to finish strong. But I knew that I was driving him crazy. And I think it was because of the table of truth wow. that he was able to talk to me and I wasn't like going, and what about what's wrong with you? Because it was, that's really easy for me to do. Um, to just shut him down with what he's wanting to help me be a better person. That's great. And That's great. it made us better, and we still have to work at that table of truth, but it is something that really helps us. So in case anybody wants to know, I do have messages on the table of truth, and there are rules and regulations for the table of truth. We're just spitting it out here in quick form, but so if you, can, you can create your own little rules for it. It really works. 
if you can get something that Synergy creates and you have a place where you can have Truth Talks and Honest Truth Talks. And she wanted to go alone to this Blessing Ranch, um, and this would have been a few years ago. And I was like, no, you, you're not going alone because as much as you want to own your ADD, I have some things I need to own. And we ended up at the Blessing Ranch. Um, it was five days program, and, but uh, don't be too good to go to counseling. Don't be too good to reach out and get help. Um, we all need help. And we all need honest conversation. So a lot of the table of truth that we literally discovered was through counseling. Through a man who helped pastor, so we discovered how what it was like. She had me crying most days, you know, like because I didn't ever think I didn't know about her. There were things after all these years of marriage I did not know that my wife felt. I didn't know about the story she was telling herself and coming out of her experiences. And if you can just get to the place where you communicate, um, and I know we still struggle. I don't sound like we're perfect, but if you if you can keep communication going, you can conquer anything. That is so good. That's powerful. Hey, can we thank these guys for their... Uh... We hope you enjoyed this session from the ARC Conference. Our heart is that you are more encouraged and excited about your calling than ever before. For dates and locations, and to register for an upcoming ARC Conference, visit artconference.com.